Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. Since we are now deep into the summer groove and somehow we have already gotten halfway through the year, we thought it would be fun to play back a couple of our favorite episodes from 2021. Because why not take a minute, take stock, and like those of us here at Nerdette Corporate, celebrate the fresh beginnings of a whole new fiscal year. Coming up, Jenny Britton of Jenny's Ice Creams tells us about her ice cream nerd history. In ice cream, especially in ice cream, there is so much more to discover. But first, Ross Gay is a poet who wrote the Book of Delights. Essentially, what he did every day for a year was he wrote a miniature essay about something that delighted him. And in the introduction of the book, he talks about how the more you study delight, the more delight there is to study. I think it's beautiful. It was the exact reframing that I needed. And it's actually the one resolution that I made for this year. I wanted to write a delight a day. Sometimes it ends up being more like seven delights a week, but I'm still really glad I'm doing it. So here I am talking to Ross Gay about the Book of Delights back in January. Ross, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. Good to be with you. I have to say this is especially exciting, partly because, gosh, I guess it was a long time ago now, uh, probably like five or six years ago, Nerdette podcast got an iTunes review from someone who complained that I used the word delightful too often. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so yeah, it was sort of like reading your book. It was just, I don't know, it affirmed a lot for me. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah. For people who haven't read it yet, can you define a delight for us? Well, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't, I can say what the book was, and then maybe I'll be able to say what a delight was in the process Mm -hmm. of that. You know, I basically, one day I was like having a, I was in the midst of a kind of lovely moment. And I, in my head, I said, oh, this is delightful. You know, I was kind of walking through, you know, fields of flowers, more or less. (laughs) And, And I thought, oh, this is delightful. I should write a little essay about it. And then I immediately thought, oh, I should write an essay every day for a year about it. So, you know, so I set myself that task to write an essay a day, um, to write them quickly and to write them by hand. Those are my three little constraints. Mm-hmm. But the book ends up being sort of um, this, this, you know, year long sort of exploration of things that, that do sort of delight me. And then the essays are basically like, why does this delight me? Why do, mm-hmm. you know, high fives from strangers sometimes delight me? Why do, <laughs> why <laughs> You know, why is it delightful to ride a train and to notice how people just leave this stuff around on, on the Amtrak train or whatever? Um, so in a way, you know, that's all a long way of saying, I don't know exactly how to define a delight, except to kind of know it when it's happening. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that in a lot of ways, it really can be anything, right? I mean, like, I think about pie for breakfast as being absolutely <laughs> delightful. <laughs> that's great. Or like, you know, a new leaf on a plant in yeah. your windowsill or yeah. like, I don't know, one that I noticed the other day was getting to the end of a tube of chapstick. 
just because I feel like so often in our lives, we don't actually use up the whole thing of something before we end up with a bunch more of them. But to actually like stick with something long enough that you get to the end of it was just yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think uh, delights. Um, there's some kind of like relationship between delight and curiosity. Because mm-hmm. probably before you get to the end of a tube of chapstick, it wouldn't have occurred to you that like, oh, this is, wow, look at the end of the tube of chapstick, you know. <laughs> what is so down it, there? <laughs> yeah, what's down there? So it requires some degree of like understanding that you do not understand what will delight you. Like there is more yeah. delight. There is more delight than you are aware of, you know. Right. And like an openness, I think, an too, openness. to 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 recognizing those experiences when they happen. Yes. Yeah, and openness and, and, and the kind of like, you know, I think part of what that book is sort of getting into is like a practice, yeah. a practice of attending to the experiences, so have, yes. sort of having your, having your uh, radar on to them in a way. So you wrote this book a couple of years ago now, um, very much not during a pandemic. So a lot mm-hmm. of the delights that you mention are things like, you know, having to move your leg out of the way at the coffee shop to make sure that you're not getting in someone's way or like a... <laughs> a random encounter with the flight attendant when you bring a tomato plant on board. Um, I wonder, like, do you think it's harder now to find delights because the pandemic has, you know, in so many ways we are so much more closed off than we used mm-hmm. to be, you know? I mean, one of the things that that book, when I read from it now, I'm like, man, there's so much touching. There's so <laughs> much, there's so much contact, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the book. Um, so that's different. But my inclination is to say that um, there's still an abundance of, mm-hmm. of delight. So are there ever days or were there while you were writing the book where you're just like in just enough of a mood that you're like, you know what? Fuck delight. I'm done. <laughs> you know, like some days yeah. it's hard. Oh, it's hard. I know. I know. You know, it's, I think it's probably there was probably a reason that I gave myself the task to do it every single day and that I gave myself the task to do it quickly. Mm. Um, so that's a, that's a way of saying, no, I didn't have that feeling. Um, <laughs> but I absolutely, and I think it's, it's kind of threaded throughout the book, you know, delight's opposite is to me is constantly present in that book. And that's sort yeah. of what makes the book interesting, you know, yeah, is that it's, totally. it's, it's like delight in the midst of, you know, mm-hmm. Delight despite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of the, another thing that I think is interesting is that <laughs> I think it was sort of midway through writing the book. I think I, I remember this right, that my therapist was, you know, it was like, oh, you have a real hard time trusting people. <laughs> and he may have said it more emphatically than that. He may, it may have been like, you have a fundamental and I like lost my shit. I cracked up so because I was like, "Oh, I'm writing this book in part to sort of affirm this thing that I want to believe and I want to practice." Hmm. You know, um, so that's all a way of saying, "Look, I get it." And I think also part of the the impetus for the book or the what the book kind of ends up doing that I that I love is that it ends up being like a friend who can kind of be like you know, tap you on the shoulder and be like, there is, there is this too. Yeah. Which I think is sort of what being in community, part of the pleasure, the relief, the joy of being in community is that when it's almost impossible, 
to do that, maybe someone will be like, and also, here's this. The practice of attending to your delight, it kind of reminds you or shows you the fact that you might constantly be in sort of like in the midst of these things, but you just might not be noting them and articulating them. Yeah. You know, and then noting and articulating and then like sharing them. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like the thing. It's like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't realize this. And the more you get sort of like, oh, I didn't realize that this thing delights me, the more you're kind of like, oh, probably there are many things that I don't realize delight me. After the break, Jenny of Jenny's Ice Creams. Yes, that Jenny, because what is more delightful than ice cream? Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. at you know we like to spend time chatting with nerds and one hugely delightful nerd i got to talk to back in february is a self-proclaimed ice cream nerd her name is jenny britton bauer and she is the jenny of jenny's ice creams and as you will hear in this interview she really is just totally delightful jenny hi hey (laughs) um so i'm curious what to you does it mean to be an ice cream nerd like you literally had this on posters in the shop a couple years ago even yeah I mean I um I think it's a few things I mean one it's acknowledging that there's all sorts of back-end stuff you know we take milk apart and put it back together as ice cream and I think it's just an acknowledgement that like if you want to keep peeling back this onion of what it is to be Jenny's and what it is to make our ice cream in the unique way we do it, you're going to find that these processes are delightfully and deeply nerdy um, <laughs> and that we are adamant that they are done the way that we want them to be done instead of like the sort of traditional um, way that ice cream in America has been. Hmm. So do you think becoming an ice cream expert has changed whether you can also still be a fan No. And um, the reason is I'm picking up what you're putting down. The reason is because I feel like in (laughs) ice cream, especially in ice cream, there is so much more to discover. So I feel like Mm -hmm. the way that we do it, it's never perfect. Like all I can see whenever I'm like, well, that's not true. I I really love ice cream. I enjoy ice cream, but I do notice the defects. I mean, uh, but those are really Mm -hmm. fun to go deep into because it, it makes me excited about the next chapter. You know what I mean? So it's almost (laughs) like I'm on this never ending ice cream thing and it's just always fun and this is 26 years I've been doing this it's a long time that's a really long time and it is it really is still fun it really is and I'm also still eating ice cream a lot I mean I eat ice cream (laughs) daily 
basically. Really? Yeah. I mean, if I go a day without ice cream, it's a weird day. That was one thing I wondered is like, yeah, how if there ever is a day where you're just like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. Like, I'm good on that, you know? No, because the cool thing is, is that, um, you know, we there's always a different flavor. Yeah. And for me, ice cream is very emotional. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is my fifth grade slumber party or this is me mm-hmm. or whatever you get you you're you're tapping into these emotions that these flavors create for you whether you realize it or not and so you move from one ice cream maybe you get kind of sick of one ice cream well it's like you're kind of sick of an era in some ways I mean that's how I feel about it and I think this is kind of how a lot of people sort of feel about these when you move on to a different flavor you're ready for something new mm-hmm. and then you create this new sort of story around that and then they that becomes what you can go back and visit I don't know if that makes any sense but it's like you know it's sort of like I don't know it's just like more emotional than uh than than necessarily flavor and that's because flavor is in ice cream is mostly scent right that's actually how you ended up getting into ice cream right was by starting with thinking about perfumes and essential oils that's right. I, I mean, when I go back, I was 20, you know, very, I was in early 20s, 21, 22 years old. And I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do in my life. And so I was going to Ohio State studying fine arts, art history. And I had a friend who was Parisian and he was in the chemistry department. He was a grad student and doing a lot with scented compounds. And, and so I got to know him. I knew that I was very connected to my sense of smell. And I, I really seriously thought maybe I should be a perfumer because I'm really sensitive to smell and, uh, and I love it. And uh, so I started pursuing that reading every book I could on uh, ancient perfumers and what this whole, what it is to, to be a nose or to be a perfumer. And I did this for a couple of years. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, you know, for me, it's about, I did the opposite of what everybody tells you to do. Right. I just studied and went deep on everything that interested me. And no one told me not to do that. I mean, besides my counselors and who who, (laughs) I just ignored. So at Ohio State, I just took whatever classes I wanted to take. And I would literally beg Mm. like the professors to let me into like a graduate level, like French Revolution class or medieval torture techniques or vampires. There's a whole class on vampires. But anyway, uh, what happened was that all these things crossed over. And that was ice cream. So I I started making ice cream and it was about scent for me. I realized that ice cream is really just about scent. I used uh, rose petal essential oil um, and I had a Mm -hmm. cayenne essential oil too. And I made two different ice creams. I made a vanilla rose, like Bulgarian rose, which was the most expensive rose that you can get. And it's like $400 an ounce. I had like 12 drops of it in a tiny little vial. And I put one in a vanilla ice cream and I did one with cayenne and I took him to a party and everybody went crazy. And from then on, I couldn't focus on anything else because I had studied, I'd read all these books on ancient perfumers. And I knew that like what they would do is submerge scent into um, like a fat that was right. solid at room temperature, but, but that melted on contact with your body. And not all fats are like that. And ice cream is. So once I figured that out, I was off and running. So Jenny's has always had the classics. I think about my favorite salted peanut butter with chocolate flecks or brown butter almond brittle or brambleberry crisp. But one thing Jenny's is also really well known for is your seasonal limited run flavors. What's the process like for coming up with a new flavor? Well, um, let's see. It starts uh, usually by, it will start with kind of a sense of like, where are we right now? And what stories do we want to tell right now? And so I'll put together a list and 
kind of bring it to our creative team. We have a small creative team. It's about eight of us. And so I'll take that list I'll, uh, to them and then we'll start kind of honing it and decide which ones we want it to take to the test kitchen. Usually all of them go to the test kitchen. I mean, there's almost never a time where we just, I mean, we, we almost never take anything off because you just, you just don't know what's going to pop. I mean, like we just did everything bagel and we sold out of that in a couple of days. I know. Yes. I had the hardest time finding it. Yeah. That was a month's worth of production sold out in a couple of days. So you just really, wow. Uh, and we loved it. We knew it was going to be popular. I don't think we knew it was gonna be that popular, but, um, but it was because that moment when it got in the test kitchen, I gave a recipe, she did it. And when we tasted it, we literally started dancing and I can tell, you know, when, you know, it hits, it's emotional. I get back to this all the time, but like, it isn't like I can say, okay, if you get this exactly tweaked at this you know level, it's like when you taste it, and you can't help but move. I, my shoulders sometimes go up and down or like, you know, literally full on dancing. And that's what happened with uh, everything bagel. And what we did, this flavor is funny because I was like, maybe we got to tweak down the onion and garlic a little bit. Yeah, I do have some <laughs> questions about the onion and garlic. Jim. Well, it was funny. So so Hunter in our test kitchen did and she made three different versions of it with the tweaked down version. And it didn't make our heart go pitter patter. Like it did not cause huh. the dancing. And we were like, we just have to go with it. We just have to do it. And um, and we did. And I haven't heard one person yet who even doesn't like it, love it. You know what I mean? Like everyone is like, oh my God, this like ticks something. It's like something emotional is happening in this flavor. Um, but a lot of times it will literally be, it'll go from like this sort of list to Hunter making a few batches in the test kitchen. And if it elicits that emotional response, then we know we can't mess with it anymore. Wow. So the everything bagel one is so fascinating. I mean, I will say I felt weird about the aftertaste, this <laughs> onion garlic aftertaste. Like that was the part that I was like, Ooh. it's not recommended for a date. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Not recommended. Not recommended. This is a, uh, this is like eating ice cream alone in your car, which is where I like to eat ice cream or bed or, you know, <laughs> keyword here is car, with a friend or alone. <laughs> And I mean, it was really delicious. I think it's, would you say it's the most savory one you've done? It has to be, right? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm not saying that it would be, maybe it's not the most savory necessarily, but it would definitely be the best one. I mean, because like the, um, oh, gosh, what did I do? I did like a, I don't know, shrimp, Bloody Mary, wasabi thing. Wow. Uh, it was like a sorbet and probably didn't need to exist, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the sorbet god yeah uh there was like a veal raspberry it probably didn't need to exist you know veal raspberry mm -hmm. wow what about like pizza have you ever no pizza? <laughs> i never have <laughs> um but i wonder could we make that one as good as the everything bagel you know what i mean well, I think the everything bagel, like partly why it works so well is because of that cream cheese base, I think, you know, like it, it translates more easily than a lot of that other stuff might. Totally. I feel like I could talk to you all day about ice cream. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You can go deep. This is what we're talking about with the nerd. I mean, you can go deep on yeah. ice cream and we yeah. haven't even scratched the surface. So I know. Well, Jenny Brittenbauer, ice cream Jedi vampire slayer. Thank you so much for chatting with me. It was really a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. It's so much fun to be here.
Before we move on, I have a little treat for you listeners out there. As you heard in preparation for this interview, I did manage to acquire a pint of Jenny's Everything Bagel ice cream. And of course, I just had to record myself tasting it for the first time. And I I mean, I'll just let myself say it. (laughs) Hey, okay, so uh, I'm in my kitchen. I just finished dinner. Uh, I've also admittedly had a couple glasses of wine. I have to admit also that I'm very skeptical about this ice cream, but let's see what happens. Okay, here we go. Oh, weird. Hmm. Wow. It's definitely oniony and garlicky. Wow. Do I like this? Wow. I guess it's not bad. What a strange sensation. I mean, I'm continuing to eat it. It really is. The person at the store said it was as advertised, and it really is. It's just like... (laughs) It's everything bagel ice cream. that's it for this week. Did you know there are more than 200 episodes of Nerdette in every Friday newsletter? I highlight a couple of them and I put links to a bunch of other cool stuff in there. You can sign up at wbez.org slash AF. You can also keep in touch with us on the internet. Nerdette is at Nerdette Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Greta M. Johnson on Twitter and Instagram. And our producer Isabel is on Twitter at Isabel T. Carter. And hey, if you are reading along with the Nerdette Book Club this month, we would love to know what you think of the book. We are reading David Yoon's Version Zero. Record your hot takes on your phone, then email the file to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com before Friday the 23rd. This episode was produced by me, Justin Bull, and Isabel Carter. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.